Welcome to a special podcast from Finnegan, where we're breaking down the Supreme Court's recent decision declining to review the American Axle case and what it means for the manufacturing industry. We are joined by Finnegan partners Jeff Totten and Tim McAnulty. Jeff, the American Axle case has been in the patent news recently. Tell us what that's all about. American Axle is a relatively recent case that deals with patent eligibility in the manufacturing space. The claims in American Axle were directed to a method for manufacturing a shaft assembly, a mechanical device used in a vehicle. Uh, This shaft was manufactured in a way that attenuated vibration. American Axle asserted the claims. The district court decided a motion to dismiss, finding the claims patent ineligible. This decision was appealed to the federal circuit where a split panel affirmed in October of 2019. The panel reconsidered and issued a revised opinion in July 2020, still finding the claims ineligible. After that, a very fractured federal circuit denied en banc review in 2021. The denial of rehearing was a 6-6 split with judges Lori, Moore, Newman, O'Malley, Reyna, and Stoll dissenting. Because of the 6-6 split, many thought this case would be a good vehicle for the Supreme Court to reassess patent eligibility. But but the Supreme Court denied cert. What what is the impact of, of, of the Supreme Court denying cert, Tim? Well, it means that the split decision from the Federal Circuit stands, finding several method of manufacturing claims patent ineligible under Section 101. Unfortunately, it's another case that highlights a distinct split among the judges at the Federal Circuit regarding patent eligibility and the Supreme Court's articulated test, the Mayo-Alice test. We do have new judges that have been appointed to the Federal Circuit, and there are always new cases addressing, raising 101 challenges and, and, and dealing with patent eligibility. But with the Supreme Court denying cert again, um, in this, in American Axle, the latest in a series of cases that have gained some traction um, and have been closely watched by the patent community to see if the Supreme Court will weigh back in, we're going to be left with the cases from the Federal Circuit and we'll effectively be waiting and seeing how the Federal Circuit deals with these types of cases and, and deals with these types of issues. And as Jeff pointed out, the court seems to be quite split. And so we'll see how this plays out as cases make their way to the federal circuit. To this point, there have been many different views on the split at the federal circuit. Um, Some feel the court is applying the Supreme Court's Mayo-Alice test too strictly. Others have a different view that it's more lenient or just about right. We see this in the circuit split uh, with six judges feeling the test was applied correctly and six dissenting pretty vehemently from that view, uh, that the same split uh, appears in the bar and may depend on whether one owns patents in the manufacturing space or is an accused infringer in that space. Uh, What we can see is that uh, there's concern about decisions uh, from the federal circuit about the judicial exceptions to patent eligibility kind of swallowing the whole of patent law. There's also criticism that the application of the 
Alice and Mayo tests morphs into a shorthand version of obviousness determinations under Section 103 or written description support under Section 112. In fact, we saw that in the dissent from the American Axel case itself by Judge Moore. So what are the prospects of getting clarity on patent eligibility in the near term, Jeff? It seems this will be left to the federal circuit. As Tim mentioned, American Axel is the latest in a series of patent eligibility cases that have stalled at the Supreme Court. It follows several life science cases like Athena, which also had a fractured en banc denial from the federal circuit, and software cases that have uh, gone beyond the federal circuit but have cert denied. Many felt that because American Axel was a mechanical case with a physical product involved in the method, and because the Solicitor General favored granting cert after the Supreme Court requested briefing, the Supreme Court would take this particular case. What we can expect is that there will be additional petitions for cert on patent eligibility, but at least for the president, it doesn't appear likely the Supreme Court is interested in weighing in on the issue again. That leaves the federal circuit to address patent eligibility. The En banc denials in American Axel and Athena were very similar. We can see that the Federal Circuit judges are split on the issues and the overall application of the Alice and Mayo test. It seems that the Federal Circuit will try to sort this out by issuing new opinions in the space in the near term. We're not sure if this will provide additional clarity, but it seems that uh, that's where we are. And Tim, what are the prospects of Congress acting on patent reform? Well, the issue is definitely percolating in Congress. Just August 2022, uh, Senator Tillis introduced a bill that would specifically address patent eligibility and the jurisprudence that's coming out of the Fed Circuit and the awareness that the Supreme Court is not weighing in. Been studies, critiques coming out of Congress on how the case law has developed with the uncertainty in the space, um, calls from the bar to address it as well. The particular bills, uh, like the one that Senator Titus just introduced, do find some bipartisan support coming out of the subcommittee on IP. Senator Tillis's bill would specifically call out three exceptions following the judicial exceptions that, that we have. Um, but stating that they would be very, very specific, stating that only mathematical formulas, non-technical mental or natural processes, and unmodified human genes or natural materials could not be patented, sort of carving back to the explicit exceptions, judicial exceptions that we have in the cases today. The bill would allow explicitly patents for processes embodied in a machine or manufacturer, and those patents directed to isolated modified, enriched, or otherwise altered genes or natural materials. So making it more explicit that processes that were on a machine were affecting an actual article of manufacture uh, would be patent eligible and limiting the exceptions to those claims that would be coextensive with an abstract idea, mathematical formula, a mental process, or natural occurring materials. The AIPLA has also suggested approach. Um, it would, again, retain the general framework of Section 101, um, but again, limit judicial exceptions as we have them to only those inventions that exist 
in nature independent of human activity or those claims, those, those inventions um, that would be embodied solely or could be performed solely in the, in the mind of a person. Again, both do maintain there will be some judicial exceptions to the scope of Section 101, but, but pulling it back, which shows a little bit of the sense that from the bar and from Congress, there is a sense that uh, the judicial exceptions have grown um, and there's some effort for pulling those back. How long will these take? We'll have to wait and see. And Jeff, in the meantime, wh where do patent owners go from here? Yes, it remains to be seen whether American Axle is an outlier, a high watermark for patent eligibility, or whether it is another extension of patent and eligibility case law. The technology at issue in American Axle, uh, mechanical technology and a method of manufacturing a very tangible article contributed to the sense that American Axle represents a new branch different from software, business methods, or life science diagnostics. Prior to the decision, mechanical arts tended to be thought of as exempt from Section 101 challenges. That certainly is no longer the case. And companies, especially manufacturers, need to account for this change and adjust their strategy in view of it. There seem to be parallels to divided infringement cases that came to a head a few years ago. Um, their manufacturers took a look at the case law and decided that they should not forego method claims. The method claims remain viable patent protection, but to comport with the case law, those filing method claims in the mechanical space adjusted their approach. We should, we'll see the same thing we expect in the follow-on to American Axle. For example, manufacturers may pair method claims with apparatus claims, um, providing varied scope that can help balance eligibility within their applications. Similarly, uh, we can expect that like other technologies, they may adjust claim scope and uh, draft specifications, their applications with an eye to 101 challenges, you know, highlighting the uh, technical solution to a technical problem that their invention achieves, even though it is a method of manufacture. Uh, this may provide the manufacturers with a stronger basis for defending the claims, especially if they have um, strong examples in their specification to support the scope of claim that they are ultimately reciting. And Tim, what about the folks on the other side of the V? How does the decision not to grant cert in American Axle impact those accused of patent infringement? Well, just as patentees shouldn't forego method claims and pursuing method claims and doing adjusting strategy to do what they can to bolster those claims, from the defendant side, accused infringer should be you know aware that Section 101 remains a very viable defense. Um, it, even for patents in the manufacturing space, again, to some extent, the mechanical arts and methods of, of manufacturing were thought of as 
much more bulletproof against a one-on-one challenge, not caught up in the life sciences diagnostic and software type of tax. Um, but that's not the case. And American Axel shows that. And with the denial of cert and the decision from the federal circuit standing, accused infringers should continue raising patent eligibility defenses very early. And the American Axel has brought in a motion to dismiss. That's another option. Um, again, that accused infringers in a manufacturing mechanical space should consider, um, especially if a patent owner's claims seem overbroad, which can be a, an issue that can be exploited from the other side of the beat. Okay. Well, thank you, Tim. And thank you, Jeff. You've been listening to a podcast from Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. Our guests have been Finnegan partners, Jeff Totten and Tim McAnulty. For more commentary on intellectual property news, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.